Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was a chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Fail. Steve, you look beautiful. You look great. Oh, ridiculous, dude. Holy. Can you see that? Holy cow. Good job, man. Yeah, pick up, baby. Yeah. Oh, 
Welcome back, everybody. We're live on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast hey. again. We're all excited for all the news that's broke today. And uh, I can guarantee you, no matter what we do in the hot take segment, we will not shock you as much as I show speed. Mm. So, <laughs> let's go with that into the segment. Who's up? How do I even open? How do I follow that up? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how hot my take is. It's something I talked about in my video today. But you know, yesterday I saw... Uh, an article and there's some commentary going around you what you know what do having all these international drivers in nascar actually accomplish like you look at the results this past week and outside of svg finishing 10th no one else finished inside the top 20 i mean poor kobayashi got ko'd by stenhouse finished outside the top 30 at the end there but you know, to that i say you know having international drivers in nascar may not make a huge impact right off the back right off the bat but long term, I think this legitimizes NASCAR to other motorsports across the world. And I think as other sports begin to go more and more global, this is a good thing. NASCAR is sort of reimagining their brand. I think across the world, everyone sees F1 as the pinnacle. NASCAR is this sort of insular, very niche American thing. And I think NASCAR is trying to push back against that narrative. And I think having guys like Kostecki, SVG, Kobayashi, Jensen, Button helps push back against that narrative. And if NASCAR ever does want to go global, which I think is part of their plan, uh, this helps. So long term, I think having these drivers race is a good thing, even if initially they're not really moving the needle. I don't really have a racing hot take, but I will say this. We went to... Uh, Disney World this weekend. Me and Claudia did. And I'm going to give a hot take for anyone who's a Disney fan in this uh, chat. We did Epcot. We did Magic Kingdom. And I specifically really liked Test Track. And it was kind of the cars look like the Chevy Next Gens. And I'll say this, Epcot, better than Magic Kingdom. <laughs> that's that's a hot take right there. Damn. Yeah, no. It, you probably uh, got uh, IDK uh, throthing at the mouth. He's a Disney nerd. So. But um. All right, my hot take has to do with the uh, with last Thursday's SRX race. Now, fans were upset about ESPN um, basically bumping down SRX coverage to ESPN two for uh, Little League Baseball. I'm going to say ESPN made the right decision in doing that. While we love racing and stuff, it is a business at the end of the day. Um, more people watch Little League than, you know, a six week SRX series, obviously. And it's not like they bumped us down to, you know, ESPN News or something like that. You know, I feel like that would be way more disrespectful. But you know what? Kept us on ESPN, too. And then as soon as the game was done, then we were up. So um, if it were NASCAR, then, yeah, that would be a much bigger deal. But because it's just um, um, uh, because it's just a, a, a limited series, uh, six races to be exact, um, I think ESPN uh, made the right call. Damn. Uh, well, I'm going to go into it with this. Uh, we had the announcement of NASCAR Classics yesterday, and I think one. I think we all agree it's a good thing. Uh, but I'm going to go a step further. I think that this, uh, in my opinion, will lead to a revolution of how NASCAR fans will be able to consume old races, new races, racing in general. Because what it's proving, in my opinion, is that NASCAR is starting to take more control of its assets, of its properties here. If you go on there, there's races all the way back from the 50s, all the way up to today. And I think that whether you're a new fan or an old fan, having that ability to go back and watch any race you want is going to keep people invested long term. Because even if the modern day 
pisses them off or they don't like it, they can go back and like something else. NASCAR is delivering to the fans in a way that they never have before that's similar to what F1 does. I think because of that, it's only going to revolutionize it further, and this is only the beginning. That's my hot take. I know it might, might not be oh. that hot, but I, I that's my mm-hmm. thought. Not I think our hottest good. take tonight was Danny's Disney take. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Cool. We, t- yeah. we had an off week this week, unfortunately. I, I mean, <laughs> most people was actually agreeing on this. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, I mean, Ed, just the fact that NASCAR Classics is free is absolutely unbelievable. They could have yeah. put I, it behind a paywall. I just, I really hope that they get a Roku app as soon as possible because I kind of don't want to just go on to mm-hmm. a computer to watch it. Yeah, true that. Yeah, That's hopefully they'll have that up. It works well on mobile too, but guys, mm-hmm. let's, let's not talk too much about the past here. Well, at least not the too far back past. <laughs> let's talk about the past when it comes to Sunday. Now let's talk about McDowell supremacy. He yes, did I it, know ready. I said I know what I said last week. You know what? Maybe this should have been my hot take. I think long term I still agree with that take. Uh, but I don't care right now, man. There's not many times you get to say that Michael McDowell dominated a race. He dominated. Uh, he start to got finish. lucky because of Suarez. Because if it wasn't for that, I don't know we're having the same conversation. But he did have the best race of his entire career. Oh, yeah. that's insane. And also, thank goodness um, um, that caution came out. Because if it didn't, he probably would have led damn near like every single lap other than like maybe the first two, I guess. And how how about Darian trying to jinx him? And then the jinxing gods take what? out Todd Gillen instead. Oh, but no, I, I I never try to jinx anybody. It just happens on its own. But I was happy he won. I was, like everybody, everyone is happy McDowell won, man. And and yeah. also front row after all these years, bro. Front row, bro. They've been in living existence. up to their name now. Yeah, they've been in them. They've been in NASCAR since 2005. And I remember the days when they used to run the unsponsored blue and black 92 or or um or the next week, the blue and black 37. They had multiple just, numbers, multiple manufacturers. The solid yellow, long John Silver, solid yeah. white Taco Bell. And then they transitioned to the food sponsors and stuff. So they've come a long way, man. And they're one of the best four teams. And and just how about these four teams, man? Well, RFK really quick, coming really back. Quick, and then before we get to that, I, like Eric, I want to know what you think of, of this win, what the statement is with it. Before... Darian, before you leave, like the Odyssey of of NASCAR here. Yeah, Darian has a a knack for kind of just summarizing the race in like sixty seconds or less. All right, we're Um, we're done. Thanks to Darian. We're done. We're done now. Nothing to speak about. No, I mean Michael McDowell winning. I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, Danny was right. You know, Daniel Suarez was going to be a factor if his pit crew and you know they don't make a mistake there at the end. Uh, But the fact that McDowell had to hold off. Yeah, well, you take a step back, like. You know, he was flawless. Suarez's team made a mistake. McDowell, McDowell consistently just made the right moves. He was able to go out and pass, I think it was Suarez, in the opening stage just purely on speed, won that first stage, max points. And then stage two, he was going to win that stage if Keselowski, or if, uh, yeah, Keselowski and Hamlin don't play their strategy. And even then, McDowell, if you remember on the last lap, was able to swoop in and pass Suarez again, pass uh, Keselowski, was able to go two for one. And then at the end of this race, uh, they just they didn't mess up the final pit stops. He paced himself perfectly because he had to hold off Chase Elliott. And I know Chase Elliott hasn't won a road course race in like two years, but he's still probably the best road course racer in the Cup Series, or he's top two, top three. He drives for arguably the best team in the sport. Like that is... You see the nine car in your mirror making a right-hand turn, like you get nervous. Like he is expected to win. He is the favorite. And so for McDowell to, again, pace himself perfectly that whole final stage with a playoff spot on the line, like 
this was as high pressure, as clutch as it gets in NASCAR. And you don't expect a team like Front Row Motorsports and Michael McDowell with a rookie crew chief to nail it. But they did. So that was really impressive. That leads into, and Danny, I want you to start off on this one. I'm going to put a poll out about it. We know this team's in the playoffs now. Uh, This team has, while the average finish doesn't show it, this team has run faster this year than in previous years. How far does McDowell and the 34 team get? I think Ford in general is showing a better resurgency this year outside of SHR. I think, let's see, run for the tracks real quick. We have Bristol's in there. Kansas. Kansas and Darlington, right? Yes. Hmm, those don't those don't really stick out to me as being good for him. He was uh pretty uh, fast last year at Kansas when I was there. He's gonna have to have a really good round of sixteen. Um, but maybe round of twelve. There didn't you factor in a Talladega. So I'm gonna say round of twelve. I wouldn't roll out a round of eight, depending on what happens. Right now he's got, I guess, he's got six playoff points for sure after Indianapolis. I'm not sure if he has any other playoff points. Uh, he's not going to be top 10 in regular season points. Uh, dude, just, I, yeah, he's not going to get any other. So he's going to go into the playoffs with the 14th, 15th, or 16th most playoff points. So if he gets through that round of 16, which right now I don't think I'd pick him to, but if he did get through that round of 16, that next round with Talladega and the Roval, works out pretty well for him. He could be a sneaky round of eight, right? He could be like an all or nothing. He'll either flame out in the first round or shock us all and make it to the round of eight. I agree. Yeah, I feel like he's, um, his floor is the round of 16, and the ceiling is definitely the round of eight. I mean, Chase Briscoe with SHR of all teams <laughs> made the round of eight last year. So I I feel like, you know, like, you know, if he does reach his ceiling, it is very doable. It's very doable to make it to the round of eight. Um, a lot of things would have to happen, though. Well, That's these the are his finishes last year in the round of 16. Sixth at Darlington, 16th at Kansas, 11th at Bristol. Uh, That's good. After that, That's pr- yeah. 11th at Texas, 3rd at Dega, 27th with a late race incident at the Roval where he ran top 10 most of the day. Okay. That's consistent. That sounds like that sounds about like what you need to to make it through the round of 16 early on. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So I'm going to say, I think the ceiling is eighth in the round of eight. Um, But the floor, I think the floor is still, yeah, that, that round of 16 exit, just because this team, I, I, they, I think that he was talking about how there were certain pieces of equipment. This team doesn't have yet that now because of the the way they performed and the the prize money they've gotten that they're ah. going to be able to be brought basically to um the modern day cuz from what it sounds like they have to rent out is it the laser scanner that RFK has but they have to rent out equipment at certain days of the week from RFK uh because they don't mm. have their own yet Wow, which so, I, yeah, I think makes it more me. impressive. <laughs> yeah, that really does. Yeah, I mean, that's hey, maybe that's the little jump start they needed, man. So yeah, maybe they might just you know going on a tear from here on out. Maybe, maybe. But well, it, I mean, it off the top of my head, off the top of my head, like, are they the outside of JTG Doherty with Stenhouse? Are they the only team this year to have won a race that's not like directly getting serious factory support? You know, like Toyota supports twenty three eleven and Gibbs. RFK is one of the Ford flagship teams. RCR is a flagship Chevy team. So, like outside of JTG, 
I think front row chat will correct us if we're wrong, but front row might be the only other team now. And you know, Daytona 500 is a plate race. So again, I think that just speaks to McDowell's win was arguably the most impressive of the season. <laughs> I believe you're right. I, I, I would think, I mean, I don't have the, well, actually I do have the list of winners on me. Hold on. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me change the ticker and I'll be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's funny. The art. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say yes. Uh, and I, is Stenha or uh, is JTG not factory supported then? I don't think so. I think they get pretty. I think they have decent resources for what they are, but I don't think they get direct like much direct. And certainly not on the level of Trackhouse and, and Hendrick and mm-hmm. RCR. Uh, Michael is uh, putting it in the chat here. Michael Honeychuck says uh, the Hawkeye system. Yes. Oh, okay. So that that's what they're missing out, which is pretty integral in in competing on a regular basis by the way 50 percent uh polled have said that they think the round of 12 is where they're getting 33 say the round of 16 12 say round of eight four percent are holding out <laughs> on the dream saying final four hey if you're that confident put some money on them then for the final <laughs> put four. your money where your mouth is yeah you might as well be yeah go all out right <laughs> yeah well someone else i think we can put money on kind of moving on to another driver here is that guy that we mentioned earlier uh, as the second place finisher, Chase Elliott. Now, Chase came home second. Last 10 laps or so, I think Chase had the better car of the two. Uh, yes, I know McDowell was kind of holding it back a little bit, but it looked like Elliott had started figuring some stuff up uh, out on the run before and then had really started to to charge towards the end. And I don't think McDowell was holding back when he's right in the rearview mi- mirror. Uh so he's 80 points back now because of this reset. Uh, Eric, I'll start with you on this. 80 points back. Watkins Glen's coming up. Good super speedway racer with Daytona. Does Chase Elliott still make the playoffs? Yeah, I think he does. Uh, I don't want to spoil my pick at the end, but I think he wins Watkins Glen. You look at his road course results, and he didn't race Coda, but he was, I believe, fifth at Sonoma third at Chicago. And I know we got to put an asterisk by Chicago and it was, you know, the, the rain, the flip strategy, all that stuff. But second in Indianapolis, I, I mean, I said this earlier, he hasn't won a race in the next gen era, probably should have won Watkins Glen a year ago until that late race restart. Uh, I, I think he's the favorite going into this race. Now, obviously even being the favorite, he has like a 15 to 20% chance of winning. So odds are he still won't win and he will miss out, but I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. I, I just think Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman, for that matter, Danny, have both shown a little more speed consistency the past three, four, five weeks, and we're going to Chase Elliott's best track. So I, I think Watkins Glen, he wins. I'm going to counter that to say I don't trust either Chase or Alex Bowman to make the playoffs. Um, yes, statistically, this is Chase Elliott's best racetrack, but also – when I think when Chase Elliott is under immense pressure like he is, he doesn't perform the same way that he usually can. And this has been a year full of pressure from all season and hasn't been able to win yet. I think he, we could see a case where just the slightest mistake happens and goes the entire race. And then also same thing for Alex Bowman here. You put both of those guys in a win and, and that's it kind of situation, which they probably will be at Daytona. I don't trust them to not make stupid blocks and possibly one of them cause the big one at Daytona. Real quick, Darren, I mean, I don't know about Bowman. Bowman's raced well in some pretty, you know, pressure-filled situations and run well for wins before, but 
I mean, Elliot to get into his championship winning final four, like he had to basically win that race with the way that it was panning out towards the end. That's I, true. I think he like he might be hit or miss under pressure, but he's not bad. Yeah, I just don't terrible. say it working out this year. He yeah. used to struggle under pressure. I mean, he choked yeah. a few wins away, arguably, well, before he just, finally started winning races. It's, it's, it's little things this year. Like, just a few times that I've got to talk to him, like, I think back to what he said to me at Darlington. He's like, he basically, he was he was putting all the blame on him, the driver, of being why they would just be, like, he was saying, the car's, the car's too good for the kind of driver I am right now. And I think of that a lot. And I'm like, I just don't know if he's he hasn't fully been back. He hasn't fully been there yet. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with Danny here. I don't think he makes it not because like, you know, he doesn't like, you know, he, um you know, doesn't do well in like pressure filled situations and stuff. It's just he's not like um he's not the best when you um when you um when you need him to be. So like he has like one of the best average finishes, I think, during the second half of the season, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know second at you know at um at uh, chicago and then another second too so like you need him to win but i mean like he he's in a must-win situation so he's i mean he's running way better but he he just can't win that's the now pressure off his back i won't be shocked if he rattles off four or five wins in the playoffs i really won't that would be crazy i that would be crazy if that happened if he doesn't make it and then all of a sudden just like goes on a tear you you would think that mr tony stewart coat Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i'm saying 2006 (laughs) 2006 i think we're gonna balance this out here when it comes to the panel because i think i i think it it's unlikely uh in a lot of ways yes but He's been getting better and better at road courses every single race, both in finish, but but as well in performance. And this past week, in my opinion, is the first time I would say, honestly, since Watkins Glen last year, where I thought I was watching the regular road course dominator Chase Elliott run. The guy who is competing for every road course win, who's up there scaring everyone in the rearview mirror if he's behind them because he is so much faster. Uh, like at the end of this race, you give him half a lap more, he wins this race this weekend. He was charging towards the end. And like I said, I don't think McDowell was taking it easy when Elliott is right on his bumper. Uh, but I will say, I do think that 80, the 80% of... Of, of the yes vote for me relies on Watkins Glen. I think he can, I, I don't think he should be written off for Daytona. People keep writing him off like if he doesn't win Watkins Glen, he has no shot whatsoever. Uh, newsflash, he won Talladega last year, which is a super speedway, which is the most similar super speedway as well to Daytona. Uh, and Atlanta. Yeah, and, mm. and, and so he's by no means a slouch. Uh, and last year, Probably would have won if him and Larson don't get together or at least run second. Uh, so I think he still does. I'm I'm more like 55% that he does. I will say if he doesn't win this week, though, it, it's going to be rough for me to say yes. He'll, he'll be one of the favorites. But man, this week is it, it where all the pressure lies. And and looking, yeah. looking at the chat, uh, put it up to a poll. 212 votes in, 62% say no. Damn, I expected it to be that high. So that's, that's about, so that seems about right to me. I think Chase Elliott has a 35% chance of winning this weekend, realistically, which is like really high for like a normal, like mm-hmm. favorite going into a race. But I go 35% and, that, and I think that's what it is. I think there's a 35% chance he wins. And if he wins, obviously he's... Can, can, can I be real for just a second? There's a small part of me 
that is rooting for him not to make it because Bowman is probably also not making it. So I want me and Claudia to both not have a driver in the playoffs. Oh man. That's so mean. It's ruthless. I love it. it. Now, to be fair, I did see uh, the nine car is actually to complicate things. It's in the owner's playoffs currently. Yeah. Oh, gosh. There you go. There you go. Chase <laughs> fans. You get at least was, root for that. Thank it, you, Josh Berry. Yeah. What, was it, um, was it Matt Weaver that tweeted it out or Jeff Gluck? And they, I think like, that's who I saw. Matt Weaver did an article. And I think that's the one I saw. A ton of hate for it. For like why? No, because well, it doesn't matter compared to the drivers one. Which to be fair, NASCAR doesn't promote it like it matters. But yeah. but it actually matters more at least when it comes to payouts. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. But they're uh, trying to say like, oh, you don't know what you're. Oh, you're just causing. Like no, he's just stating facts. <laughs> I found it. Yeah. I've become. I used to be considered a huge Chase Elliott hater, and I found in the past week <laughs> since I've been promoting Chase Elliott winning at Watkins Glen that uh, apparently now I'm the greatest. Shill since NASCAR shill in oh, our chat. Hey, so, welcome, to, welcome to the club. And, 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 I told, and I told him this weekend I'm becoming an Alex Bowman doubter and he's becoming an Alex Bowman promoter. <laughs> yeah. You're no daddy, you're an Alex Bowman denier at this point. Yeah, <laughs> we're switching. Yeah, you swapped roles, bro. Yeah. It's like you're on your villain arc now. I, from- yeah. <laughs> this is this is my I'm, I'm I'm a heel. I turned heel. Yeah, you turned uh <laughs> dominant from WWE. Yes. Well, <laughs> Talking about Elliot, we talked you know, we talked about McDowell. Those were the guys that were up front dominating this race. But the other guy is Suarez, who ran with mm-hmm. in, in front of the 34 for a good amount of this event. Could have won without the pit issues. I'm gonna ask you guys this one. Does Suarez this week, who's been bad fast at a lot of road courses, does he come up and spoil this party for the nine? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw it last week. I mean, like, I when he got the pole, I was like, well, now hold up. Let's see how he does, you know, in the race. Because we've seen, you know, them, uh, you know, put together these um, qualifying runs before and then not show up in the race. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was, you know, running up front um, up front uh, consistently and stuff. But unfortunately, had the pit road issue. So uh, could have finished way better. Could have even won, perhaps, maybe, if, uh, um, if a few things went his way. So, yeah, I can see him uh, spoiling the party this weekend. I could. I think he's going to run. I think he's going to have fifth to seventh place speed, kind of like he had at Indianapolis. But I just don't fully trust that team to not get in their own way at some point or another. I mean, there's a, at some point, there's a reason they're 17th in points. And it's because while they've had speed at times, they make mistakes or they run into issues. It's It's just become sort of an epidemic with that team almost. It feels like they just can't really stay consistent. I still look back at Nashville as a what if. They probably had the best car or equal to their teammate, but wrecked in qualifying, couldn't overcome it. You know, so uh yeah, he'll be I think he'll be quick, uh, but I don't I, you know, if I had to pick between him and Elliot, I expect the nine team to execute better. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, obviously I don't think Bowman's gonna win, win at Watkins Glen here. I I think uh Chase Elliott's definitely the one I'm watching more. What about Suarez? Uh I don't trust Suarez. I haven't all season. I want to say this. I think he's going to be a guy that is kind of that top five level, like around the edge of the top five. Yeah. And last year we saw the dominant cars get into each other. Now Larson did win, uh, but there's crazy stuff that happens. There's a lot of tomfoolery at these road courses. Uh, I'm not counting him out. I, I would not put him as the favorite over Elliott. I probably would over Bowman, uh, but over Elliott, no. But at the same time, he was faster than Chase Elliott this past week. Now it's Elliott's best track. I get that, but flukes happen too. Uh, and if there's a more likely fluke to happen, I think it would be Suarez outrunning Elliott. But 
this type of road course is so much different than last week's road course that I think it would it'll it'll tie in better. Chase, I think, will be one of the top five cars. I don't know if he's going to win, but I think he'll be one of the top five cars. I think this ty- this kind of track ties in good to guys who are traditionally good here, like Truex, like um, Kyle Busch has been good here before. There, there are other guys I think that can be good here this weekend. We're not really – I know we're going to talk about playoffs in a moment, but we haven't really mentioned Ty Gibbs or A.J. Allmendinger yet as, oh, yeah. as favorites. I, I've been a kind of off the Elmendinger bandwagon the past couple of weeks, and I nailed my suck prediction last weekend, I must say. <laughs> um, but Ty Gibbs is a sneaky one. I mean, he won the Xfinity race at Indianapolis. He's going to run the Xfinity race at Watkins Glen. Like, Ty Gibbs is a sneaky one. I, I saw enough. I think he had a top five car at Indianapolis, but got mm-hmm. wrecked on that, you know, lap five restart with Regano piled in like an idiot. And the final restart? His, his only had yeah, the final restart with well, eighty to go. <laughs> well, then the then the ninety one. I think SVG had spun him out. Yeah, fans, well, yeah. SVG kind of finished him up. I'd have to watch it again. Yeah. It was a little bit of both, but yeah, yeah. Hey, I, pe- I think Ty Gibbs is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Some pe- some people in the chat are pointing out, although he although right now he's kind of pretty much in. We can't rule out Brad Keselowski because we know how good he has mm-hmm. ran here in the past. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, him. I mean, Kyle Busch could keep the win away from him, too. He's good. Truex. Uh, th- this is probably the first time in a long time I think we've went to Watkins Glen. And we'll talk about this towards the end of the show when we talk about Watkins Glen. But where there's, yes, Elliot's the favorite by the numbers. But there's not somebody who's just a runaway favorite mm-hmm. at this point. And let's consider the fact Chase Elliott is a favorite when we have traditional stage breaks. We haven't seen them race on old exactly. Watkins Glen without stage breaks in a long time. That exactly. could bring out who your real talent is for this one. Well, and also too, it could bring out, you know, just, you know, just more, you know, just more parody and stuff too. I mean, there's going to be varying strategies and stuff. It's it's going to be exciting, man. Thank goodness NASCAR well, took away yeah. stage yellows for well, road courses. To to kind of end off a few storylines that really don't need too much just kind of I want to mention here. Uh, SVG came home 10th, which I think is pretty damn respectable for what he had to deal with differently than Chicago. Uh, But the interesting stat here is that he's the first driver to debut with back-to-back top 10 finishes since 1978 by none other than Terry Labonte. Oh, that's pretty good company. Now, probably ovals compared to road (laughs) courses, so I'm not going to jump the shark too much on this. Uh, But the race itself was two hours, nine minutes, and 58 seconds long. And the longest run, that last run of the race, was 117 minutes, basically two hours of the race. Uh, That ties the longest run that's been in a cup race since 2016, which was the Atlanta race, the long run in that race that I believe either started out or was towards the middle. Uh, So that was a grind. And then... Yeah, two hours of green flag racing, and the win was decided by this much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like uh, it's like that, that. That was good. I'm glad that it still had a fairly tense mm-hmm. finish and and a lot of interesting storylines up front. Yeah, this comment really quick from Marshall's funny. He says the Indy Cup race. Um, fun fact: the Indy Cup race weekend was shorter than last week's NASCAR Weekly podcast. Race was two hours nine minutes. NWP last week was two hours forty minutes. Oh, it's probably gonna be shorter than this one with all the stuff that came out. Today. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. Well. I guess with this being the third road course uh, race for Indianapolis, I want to kind of, before we get to playoff stuff and and end off the weekend here, I want to ask you guys, what 
should the future of IMS in NASCAR be? Because there's a lot of people and they're testing the oval. There's a lot of people for it. A lot of people are saying, hey, we had a really good race with the road course. Like, why are we leaving this when we just finally figured out the formula? And then there's others who are saying, why don't we just do either one? Uh, so I want to ask you guys and just whoever wants to jump at it first, what should the future of Indy be? I vote oval um, only because there are other road courses elsewhere that I would like to see added to the schedule, namely Montreal. I would even say road America would be fun to have to see them get a summer date back, but I want the Indianapolis oval to return. Uh, You know, the crowd in person may not be much bigger, but the TV audience will. I'll take that trade off. Yeah. I'm with Eric on that one. If the crowd's not going to change either way, let's just go back to the oval. That's traditional. That's classic. That's, that's more iconic to say, uh, I won 400 miles on the Brickyard Oval, the Brickyard 400. I think that means more in the grand scheme of things. And also, I would say run the Oval, get rid of a Richmond date, and give Road America back their cup date. And I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do at the straight course in Chicago, if that's going to return or not for sure. But we could always go to somewhere else too with that. Yeah, I'm in agreement with them. Just bring back the oval. I mean, it, you know, the road course isn't a crown jewel. You know, I thought it would be at first, but, it, you know, it it just doesn't hit the same at all. And, yeah, it's like if the crowd's not going to change too much, you might as well go back. But you need to make it special in its own way. Make it, you know, somehow very exclusive, you know, bump day, uh, you know, um, reference to the Indy 500. But um, I'd say, though, like. I don't know, like the worst case scenario I could see happening is like, okay, people hate the oval again, which I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Oh, they um, every Yeah, everyone hates the oval again, and then they want to go back to the road course, but then NASCAR and Indy are like, okay, we'll just like rotate it. You know, I could see that happening in like four to I, five years. I, I just don't want to rotate it. Like, just g- give me one or the other and yeah, I better be I, the oval. Yeah, I personally don't either, but I, I could see that though. I could well, see it. Go for it. I should have made this my hot take. I'm sorry. Uh, I, you know, we all, a bunch of us here went to Indy uh, for the road course race two mm-hmm. years ago and I had a great time. I thought it was fun. I went to the Brickyard 400 in 2007. Um, the facility at Indianapolis Motor Speedway is great, is very nice, very clean, very modern in most areas, most cases. But the sight lines suck. Like mm-hmm. it's a terrible track to watch an oval race at in person. I'll be completely mm-hmm. honest. So, you know, the in-person crowd is what's going to be like, like that just may always be a struggle at Indy because if you, you, if you gave me the choice between Kansas, Daytona, Indianapolis, I would never go to Indianapolis <laughs> to watch an oval race aside from the Indy 500 yeah. purely for the pageantry. See, I'd go for, and I think I'm in the boat. A lot of people are, I think they're the first year the oval comes back. Cause I think at this point it's probably a done deal. I think that first year, I think you're going to see probably the biggest crowd in like 10, 12 years there because there's people that have the curiosity factor or they didn't yeah. know what they missed. Um, but I'm going to stand by this, uh, even though it ended up being the wrong decision, because I think as well they should go back to the Oval. I think it was the right decision to leave it the first time after 2020 because it was, it was worth giving it a shot, seeing if it worked. I thought the racing wasn't bad personally until – all hell broke loose the last two years before this. And I thought this race was the best one yet. I thought it was the right decision to do it. And I will stand by that still. Now we've learned with new information. It's not, uh, I think the biggest reason that this is the right decision going back to the oval strictly, um, is I think the TV side, 
Uh, we, we'll talk about it in a bit. The ratings were not good this week. Now, they had other factors that compounded into it, but even the last two years didn't match up to what Brickyard 400's when run on a scheduled date, not against a bunch of regular season NFL games, what it can do. And NBC, in my opinion, needs a crown jewel. Uh, yes, it has a Southern 500, but they shove it over to uh, USA. It's going head-to-head with a bunch of college football games that mm-hmm. have a lot more precedence at that time. And on top of all that... NASCAR treats it as just another playoff race more than a crown jewel anymore, in my opinion, with promotion. Same NBC, thing, Bristol Nut Race. Yeah, NBC needs to have a crown jewel that cannot just be like the Daytona one, because I guess that would be their number one other than Chicago this year. They need that. Fox has the Daytona 500. They have the Coke 600. Uh, they have that Spring Talladega race, which always has, a, I think, a different feel to it than the fall one does. They have... Uh, the, they have the throwback race. What does NBC really have that's all that special at this point anymore outside of the Daytona cutoff and the finale? They, I think they need something to match with it. So I think that's a big reason too. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you guys. And apparently I'm agreeing with the chat here. 70% of you saying that it should be 71% saying it should be the Brickyard 400 to 25% every other year. 4% strictly say stay on the uh, road course. I had something to add to that, too. Imagine the hype. And granted, this is pre-booking two races a year from now. Imagine the hype if Kyle Larson pulls off the Brickyard 900, winning both the Indy 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same season. <laughs> or like just, or just you know, runs good. You know, or happens to run good. No, no, win. Them, you know? It's got to be win. Like, no. yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I can see it running well, though. But yeah, yeah but it's, a, it's a good idea. We talk a bit about Kurt Busch when he did the double and how big that was but it really no one outside of people who really cared about he it blew a motor at charlotte he didn't even yeah. come close to oh finishing. yeah that well, is you, true yeah, yeah. yeah. so like, like it, it will suck if like larson wrecks been like last two <laughs> in both races yeah or like or like he doesn't or um he doesn't even start the race that's what, happened before what would be interesting <laughs> is if there is a rare instance of rain in indy or he wins and then he's cutting oh. it close and start oh oh yeah because uh that happened to uh tony stewart that's in like, 2001 yeah I, I it's like okay we've got justin allgaier on standby well, yeah. well, and it's not like the Indy 500 starts at noon like it used to. Like, it starts a bit mm-hmm. later now. So, yeah. let's be honest. Be Charlotte will have rain. NASCAR will get delayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> He's fine. It's but, like, we're racing on Monday. Don't worry about it. As yeah. long as this flight can land. <laughs> That's talking a little too far ahead, guys. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit ahead, but more about the next two weeks here. The playoffs are coming up. And I'm going to put on screen right now. This is closer and both further away than it, it looks. So we got Bubba Wallace plus 28 right now. Uh, he's in in 16th. Suarez minus 28 and Ty Gibbs minus 49. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski are above these guys, separated now by two points. But we have two winners, and it's not them. One of those guys might be hacking it up for the season and just running for 17th. So with that yeah. in mind, that's what crazy. We, what do we what do we think here, like guys? Like Darian, I'll start with you. When it, I want you to start with just the line that we have now, sixteen okay. through eighteen of these uh, three. What are you looking at? Uh, first off, can y'all hear the the freaking motorcycle revving in the background? No. Okay. 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 Good. 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 It was annoying the hell of me. All right. Uh, secondly, no, 
I'm just, no. <laughs> it's just pulling out. Secondly, um, okay, here's what I'm looking at. Bubba Wallace plus 28, Suarez minus 28, Gibbs minus 49. For Gibbs, mm, I feel like I felt like his best opportunity to uh to get in the playoffs, I felt like was I don't know. I felt like it was last weekend. You know, he had the top five speed. He was, you know, he had the extra tack, uh, track time. I know we had the Glenn and Daytona, but I see a bunch of, um, I, I, I feel like there's like, you know, at least, you know, nine or 10 guys that I could see winning before him right now, of course. And, and then, uh, Suarez though, I mean, he showed me a little something, but you know, he could have had a much better day. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And Bubba Wallace right now, man, for Bubba Wallace fans, a few weeks ago, y'all thought y'all was cool. Y'all thought y'all were good. Oh, we're going to point our way into the playoffs. No problem. Psych. And I am personally going to still stick by my preseason prediction. I don't think Bubba Wallace makes it. I mean, plus 28 above the, um, above the cut line, man. I mean, like, you get, um, um, you get one more different winner, and then, bam, a whole new ball game. So, um, so yeah. The problem is, is for Bubba is, is say Chase Elliott, Almendinger, they don't win. Say Kyle Busch wins this weekend. Uh, I could see Daniel Suarez cutting half of that points deficit in just the stages. You know, Bubba's not going to collect stage points most likely. He's probably not going to finish top 10. So if Suarez just finishes fifth, 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 that's six, 12 points. And then he's probably gaining another 10 to 15 points on Bubba at the end of the race. So all of a sudden that 28 point deficit is like a three point deficit. And you go into Daytona where Bubba would probably be favored over Suarez but still all bets are off. Anything can happen. You're not in control of your own destiny at that track. So um, no, I Bubba did everything right at Pocono, Michigan earned a lot of points, left a few on the table here and there, like Michigan. I don't know why he finished 18th. He was so good in the stages, um, but collected a lot of points those weeks at the tracks. He's good at to protect against this. We knew Indy was going to be a struggle. Watkins then was going to likely be a struggle. So, uh, you know, it, it's all about limiting the damage this weekend and hoping and praying we don't have back-to-back McDowell type wins, you know, like what he could survive one. We, he was okay with one wild card winner. He can't have two. That's, doesn't, that's dangerous. Doesn't even need to be a, a McDowell. Granted, I've been saying, I don't think he's going to, but if Chase Elliott does win, it's over. There's no, there's no way except for winning Daytona that Bubba Wallace could make it. Yeah. Well, looking to, I mean, this gap that he had last week was what? 58 points. It was a lot. It's 28. Yeah. Right now, he made right. so Suarez made up thirty points. I I don't feel safe about any of those three guys. I really don't. I, I think I think I I feel safer about Harvick and Kozlowski, but I understand there is a chance that one of those guys might not make it too. Well, yeah, and okay. it's just with with how Bubba runs on these road courses and yeah. how Suarez runs. Like if Suarez has a race this week where he just finishes fifth, 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 fifth in stage one, stage two finishes the race uh that's one that's 10 stage points that bubba i don't think is going to get and then what i i keep forgetting what do you get was it 32 points for a fifth place finish now i think so probably about that yeah okay let's just say 42 and then 13 less than that be like 19 for an 18th place finish which is roughly what bubba could get i'm just doing rough math here Uh, that's 23 (laughs) points 23 points that I think Suarez could easily make up on Bubba Wallace. If there's not a new winner, we're still sticking with this cut line. Five points going to Daytona. Listen, Bubba's the favorite out of those two, but it's Daytona. Uh, Anything could happen. Well, yeah, Bubba could crash out on lap one or lap, for all we know, 171, uh, depending on how it rolls out. So at this point, if 
if I'm the 23 team, you got that that lead, but you know Suarez is going to probably be the better team, better car. I think the 23 has to be aggressive this week. Go for extra stage points, stage That's what wins. I think. You got to go for, I mean, if you go whatever strategy they're not doing, like the leaders, do that one if it's at all yeah. possible. Yeah, I agree with that. If there's any way you can squeak out a couple of stage points, if you're Bubba Wallace, I think you chase those. You'd, you'd squeak out whatever you possibly can. And I know it's. I know that Daytona's 160 laps, but let's be real. There's probably going to be a green white checker. That's <laughs> not, like read between the lines, that, people. <laughs> yeah, I figured that was the joke you were making. I was going to say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I know. Um, we get but, multiple overtimes. <laughs> that could happen. Come on. Yeah. Look at, yeah. Look at, every pretty much every super speedway race but like <laughs> save for three in the last five years uh but yeah i mean this could totally be turned on its head and not even matter by this time a week from now but if it does it's gonna probably be a lot closer but guys i think uh unless you got anything else i think that about covers everything from this weekend uh yeah no that's it yeah Watkins Glen, or oh no not Watkins Glen. the indy road course a pretty good weekend for its standards and uh can't wait to go back to the oval next year and i can't wait for this motorcycle to turn off <laughs> this is freaking blow my ears and i'm wearing headphones damn it's like my, it's like my fire trucks but yeah. uh but darian we do have something coming up uh in the show here to kind of talk about too so yes that's right oh, yeah. that's right yes sir we are now oh Wait, hold on. No, no. I was about to say the wrong thing. Yes. The TV ratings. The TV ratings. Yes. We had a very, I almost did it there. Caught myself. Um, Jared was, inter- was setting you up for that one. He, he had yeah. you thought on. Very interesting. Well, that, well, uh, well, well no, I, I, I thought we were heading that way too. Because when has Darian ever said like the TV ratings? The That's what TV I was ratings. thinking. Oh, he well, always, I, he brings it up a lot. It's, yeah, it's interchangeable. Sometimes. From time to time. Yeah, we switch it up sometimes. I'm cool with it. But yeah, no, the TV rating is very interesting, to say the least. So a 1.67 rating with 2.838 million viewers. Uh, viewership, not good uh, compared to last year. Down 16% from 2022. Flat with 2021. Down 4% from the 2019 Brickyard, which was the last Brickyard run. Now that one was also, I believe, against NFL opening Sunday. So... That's not good either. Uh, ratings were down 19% from last year. The median age mm-hmm. for viewers was about 63 years old, uh, which Damn. compared to NFL preseason games averaged up, which was about 55 to 56. Little on the older side, but still compared to sports, actually closer to NASCAR has been in a little while to the mm-hmm. NFL. They usually had been about 11 years older in median age. Uh, but that's more, I think, the NFL's median age going up than anything. We're we're, okay. we're steady here. We're going <laughs> steady. Uh, important to note, though, the cup race was done an hour before the window was done. Usually, the ratings get a bump up at the end. And you had, I believe, Kansas City, which is a big market, and Tulsa, which is NASCAR's, I think, on average, top one in their top 10 biggest markets. This race was totally blacked out. Uh, by local NBC affiliates for preseason football. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Like, it should just go on uh, NFL Network. Isaac in the chat says, "Who the f cares about NFL preseason?" I think yeah, exactly. I saw that. I think I saw the Hall of Fame game got like six or seven million viewers this yeah. year. I, I mean, I'll be honest. That beats me. everything but Daytona. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Jarrett and I's teams are playing each other this weekend. But if tickets weren't a million dollars, we would have probably went and watched that soccer game instead. Yeah, well, you guys would have. I, I don't yeah. watch soccer. <laughs> oh, 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 okay, okay. Me and Darian would. Yeah, yeah. I'll. I'll All right. 
I'll I'll stick to uh, anything but soccer. What what preseason game was Tulsa showing? They don't got a team in Oklahoma. Well, they're uh, closer to Kansas City, I think. Is oh, okay, I guess yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You're right. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and yeah. No, listen, I I get the people are like it's just preseason, but it's like the, the NFL owns a day of the week. Like yeah, if, if you don't understand that, you're living under a rock. Um, but. To add to to kind of what isn't good about it being even with 2021, 2021 was two weeks earlier, which on average is actually higher for NASCAR and doesn't go against preseason football. So overall, this was not a good look. Road course racing is routinely the lowest watched racing now. It has actually surpassed, finally, short track racing for the lowest watch racing in NASCAR, which I know blows people's wow. minds. Uh, and outside of the Chicago street course, that trend is continuing to nosedive, which is probably why NASCAR is bringing back the Brickyard. Probably gonna in the next couple of years bring back the Charlotte Oval in the playoffs instead of the Roval. Do other mm-hmm. things, movements like that. But overall, after honestly a couple of great weeks, uh, all things considered in ratings, not what we had probably hoped for. But nah. it happens, you know. It's it's not the end of the world. Uh but we do have one other thing now that Darian I know will lead us into. <laughs> there we go. And it's time for the poll, the famous iceberg poll on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. My brain for a second wanted to say the lightning round, so that, that right. happens sometimes. But anyways, uh, let's go over the uh, the famous iceberg poll ratings. Uh, 29% of you thought this was a great race. 47% thought it was a good one uh, with a net positivity rating of 76%. Race hail, praise Dale. 76 career wins. Uh, 16% of you thought it was average. Uh, what? Darren, you're just doing your own show over here. The, <laughs> keep going. Race hail, praise just, Dale. Just keep, going. Right. keep going. You got it. I'm in my own world today. You got it. Uh, 4% thought it was below average. 3% thought it was bad, leaving a net negative positivity or net, po- dang it, net negativity rating of 7%. Oh my gosh. All right. What were the what did the uh, the comments say? Jesus Christ! You're like me at the grocery store. I get like a receipt back, I'm and flustered. it's like you know, it's like three dollars. You know, is your yeah. change or something you know, like that? You know I, what I, it is? It's his motorcycle. It won't shut up. It's throwing I'll me. I'll just off. under my breath, just go praise hail, praise hail. What? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> I don't know. Something about the seventy six. I that just was, wanted to say something. That was the first thing that my girlfriend told me when we started dating. When I told her I like NASCAR, she's like praise hail, praise hail. I'm like, all right, hey, there you go, there you go. That's um, pretty man. great. That's special right there. <laughs> but the first comment, and uh, Danny had tipped me off on this one. I'm not reading even the full name. I'm just Shugs. <laughs> Shugs. That guy he's, right there. He's just, what is he looking at? What is bro staring at? <laughs> <laughs> he's staring at the demons. Well, Shugs. Uh, you're on the air, Shugs. <laughs> yeah. Shugs, you're, you're in front of over 600 people. Say hi. Yes. And make sure to lick the like button. We're halfway to 400. Lick the like oh, button. Oh, yeah, that's right. If we have 400, I'll put 100 extra on the NWP 400. We'll talk about mm. the like Hello, button. you want to talk to me? I'm the big guy. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, Shugs, like a snowball. Was, did Shugs leave a positive comment, a negative comment, mm. or a meme? And I am not reading this fully the way it is because I'm going to sound like a creep. Oh, oh, oh. I see. Um, so you're going to take some liberties, I see. I'll take a little mm. liberty. Here, you know what? Uh, as as Shug's father, I don't mind rating this. <laughs> Go for I'll, it. I'm not oh, getting this man. clipped. What do you guys think? Positive, negative, or meme? Negative. Positive. Shug's B. Meow said, Hello, Daddy. 
Did I hear correctly that McDonald's won that big square box track? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, well, I'm hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I read the replies. He literally wrote H and then edited it. He cheated. Oh wow. Mm. Wow. We got a cheater. So he edited did one letter and edited it. All right. Oh. I'll have to in the future delete edited comments at the, at the <laughs> that started out so we can be yeah. a little more fair. <laughs> uh, but there were some other comments here, starting out with uh, Blode72 Productions, who said, This was pure proof that we don't need a bunch of crashing and cautions to have a good race. This isn't the greatest of all time, but it was a very solid one. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, Alessandro says, After seeing McDowell win again, better yet, it came on a non-super speedway race. Ooh. Great job all around. The 34 is playoff bound. Two thumbs up. And we have Danny's one off the grid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, there we go. no, it's that stupid glitch that when I put the headphones in. Uh, yeah, well, that. looking at some of the other comments here. Uh, Ethan says, it's so refreshing to me to see long runs with no stage cautions. Uh, and that's, that's a big part a lot of people put, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about McDowell dominating and i love this because the movement is growing mcdowell supremacy is everywhere hey got the win finally or got his second win yeah mcdowell mania yeah and he's also won i mean he's won at only daytona and indy so that's a pretty good pretty good exclusive wins list even when he's not the first comment spencer purcell gets his comment read 2022 Lugano. want to see me dive bomb into turn one on a restart 2023 Lugano. want to see me do it again he did not learn one bit okay can I just say this? Oh, there goes Danny. Uh, <laughs> well, can I just say this? Mick, um, Logano, all three years in some way looked like one of the biggest idiots out there. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first to, I mean, he hit the tire barriers harder than anyone else in 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That wasn't right. his fault, though, but that was not his fault. Yeah. The, the last damn. year at the dive bomb, that was on him. And then this year, not enough people are talking about him just door slamming Justin Haley on lap two. Like, I mean, oh yeah, that's right. I don't know. That's that's like you know drivers who have distinct driving styles. Joey Logano, he's the kind of guy who's going to force his way anywhere, anytime, and oh, like yeah. that's why he deserves to get called out when it goes. Oh, wrong. oh yeah. In the first six laps, he freaking wreaked havoc on the whole field. Jesus. Yeah. Well, looking at some of these other comments as we go down. Um, we got Dexter saying nice clean race probably would have been better in person, but at least it wasn't last year's mess. Um, Penske cup wearing a 34 Jersey today um, was, and I was a proud fan of McDowell go 34 scrolling down a little bit more. A ton of people loving the long run in this race. And we, man, we didn't know it at the time when it came out, but we really were so close to a caution free race. We were. I I feel like that's a full fields version of like a perfect game. Mm -hmm. And I want to see it (laughs) so bad. Like when at Sonoma, when we were over halfway without a caution, like I remember I was sitting in the garage with my grandpa and him and I were both like, oh my God, it could happen. Like this could act like this. It's like when you get past, like once you get to the fifth inning, like towards like the end of it and you're like, this is actually no, no. Yeah. Hold on. Interesting. Like, don't say anything. Don't jinx. (laughs) <laughs> Damn. Um, more McDowell supremacy. Uh, let's get down to the gutter comments. I want to see what the gutter says. Um, there we go. There we go. I got this. Just I, I literally scrolled, and at one point, it's just McDowell supremacy, McDowell supremacy, <laughs> like over and over. And over 
Um, let's see. Can't read that one. I'm not going to read the Odyssey. Uh, Coleslaw Custard here. I don't know, man. A lot of people saying this race was great. Well, it's average, not going to lie. Not 2017 NASCAR boring, but somewhat boring nonetheless. Um, okay. <laughs> Cody says the race was a snoozer. Only race that was worse this year was the All Star race. Well, yeah, I guess. Oh, wow. no. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. bring back the stage cautions, says Cody Bennett. And then W M R R A says bring back stage cautions. This is a boring race. The field needs to be back together every once in a while. Dude, man, this is what stages did, y'all. Thanks a lot, NASCAR. This was so. It- this is what stages does to the fan base. <laughs> man. Poisons are mine. Yeah, for real, man. He's like, he's like, he just said to bunch up the field here. I'm like, that's not uh, whatever, man. <laughs> whatever. Well, that is the poll. And that'll conclude this edition of the famous iceberg poll on the NASCAR weekly podcast. Now we had two other races. And I think that they can be a little more simple to talk about here. Xfinity race on Saturday and a bit of a rain delay. And then also the truck race on Friday, which had a, a little bit more storylines. But both, I think, I I think a lot of people considered those two the, the dull races, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. But go and do Xfinity. Let's, Eric, I, w- I want you to talk about this one. You got this one right. My Friday and Saturday night were going good. Chat, y'all were shaking. Uh, I nailed my pick for the Xfinity race. Again, I, I sound like such a hater now, but I just, Almendinger just doesn't seem to have that spark. So I went with Ty Gibbs, and Ty Gibbs was easily the fastest car. He had to come through the field a little bit here and there. But I mean, Ty Gibbs, I think this was his first Xfinity win of the year, and I, he's made six or seven starts. So I was a little worried for him, but. You know, the guy's in the middle of a, a playoff, you know, fight in the cup series. This gives him a little added confidence, but um, no, I thought the race was great. You know, I was reminded watching this race, you know, why, why are we at the Indy road course with cup with all these series? It was because of that Xfinity race four years ago that had one of the greatest mm-hmm. three, four car battles for the win of all time. So, <laughs> uh, you know, don't, don't forget how, where it started. It was the Xfinity series that got us here. Exactly. So um, yeah. <laughs> it was fun now, to watch their he, race. He oh. plainly outdrove Almendinger in this. There's no no mm-hmm. other way around it. He uh, ran him down. He outdrove him. Almendinger, I think, what finished third. So yeah. Now I want to ask y'all this. There were some people complaining about his post uh, celebrate um, celebratory burnout um, because I guess he was doing it with, um, with uh, other cars going by. I mean, is that fair or foul? Like Eric, what do you think? Yeah, it's just it, 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 you know it's, he's always his, Ty Gibbs has always suffered from a lack of self awareness. I think we could all agree. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, it was both self and stupid. it was both self and spatial awareness. Like the field was spread out. People are. It's a narrow track. It's just dumb. Like I'm. Nothing bad ultimately happened, but it wasn't dumb. Like it's Ty Gibbs' world. We just live in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, Ty, he he might get us, but Ty does not. Um, but <laughs> going over from the Xfinity side, the Truck Series race happened, and Ty Majeski put on a damn clinic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just flat out dominated this race. I want yeah, to say there's made up for Richmond. Yeah, I want to say sure. there's stuff to talk about, but it's really just redemption for hey, Ty Majeski. Is he he made it to the championship four last year, right? Is he the yes, championship yep. favorite now? Do you think he's got something for Zane? Has he got something like I, I it looks like it. A, I wouldn't call him a favorite just yet. I mean, hey, the past couple of, I mean, it looks like I mean the past couple of races for him. I mean, it's looking good right what now. Are the but past hey. couple of races. Uh wait, wasn't it March? Oh no, tracks. wasn't it? A, yeah, yeah, shorter, shorter tracks. tracks. Yeah. 
Exactly, yeah. He's got Milwaukee coming up, not this weekend, but next. And the last race of the season, if he makes it in there, is Phoenix, which is a shorter Mm -hmm. track. I'd Mm -hmm. say I'd say I'd put him loosely. I think it's it's like him, Zane, and Heim time up there. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's probably your top three. Yeah, Zane's been a tad bit off. Like, I mean, they were able to uh, adjust the truck, and I think he finished top five or at least top ten, though. Um, He's distracted by his cup negotiations for next year. Maybe that's it. Um, I mean, were there any other notable playoff guys like that were running outside the top ten? I I can't really Uh, think of any. No, I think like the lowest ones was was it. Benedetto was like 12th or 14th. He yeah, was like so, mediocre, yeah. but so they're right up there. You know, they're right up, you know, sort of uh, around each other. I will also bring this up just to bring it up. Uh, SVG did come home 19th. He was, he, he got yeah. lapped like right at the end. Yeah. And well, amazing, right? At the end of us talking about the weekend, the fire trucks start going by. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But nice. I just feel like that's proof that, you know, like, look, you had brought this up last week, Jared, that you thought SVG was overhyped. And to some extent I did too. It's like, yeah, he's a road course ace, but you know, it, it, guys, it, it, you know, that's his job. I mean, that's his thing. You know what I mean? You know, but um, ovals is a much different story. So he has a long way to go with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he ran, he at as high as like 14th. I saw, um, I predicted he'd finish 14th. So I was a little off. He ended up 19th, but I, he, I think he did well. He seemed to come away excited, like ready for more, ready to keep learning. So I think it was a successful outing, even though, yeah, it wasn't a fantastic result. Yeah. By any means. I mean, keep in mind a, one niche truck missed the race. So for him to finish 19th, uh, you know, not terrible. Not <laughs> I, I liked his post-race interview. Like the um, the lady asked him, um, uh, so what would you grade yourself? And then he replies, oh, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I don't grade this. He seems like such a vibe just to be Yeah, around. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he seems to be embracing the American culture as well, well too. Uh, he was at Applebee's, probably fought, um, um, <laughs> you know, avoided uh, Mike Harmon, of course. But, I like yeah. how they did the video of him getting thrown out of an Applebee's. Oh, then, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then and um, uh, what was it? He said he was. He said he talked to Marcus Ambrose, which oh, I, I brought yeah. this up before. But it's Marcus Ambrose, not Marcos. He he was just too uh. nice to correct everybody. <laughs> that was like, the actual story. But I guess he talked to Marcus. I actually Ambrose, didn't know that. I didn't know that. Either. And uh, asked him like like what did you think of your time in NASCAR in America? And he's like, best time of my life, the most fun I've ever had in my life. Do it, do it as quick as you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was very interesting to hear. So come on over, man. Like I, oh, really? I the more the better. Heck, heck heck bring bring Ambrose back up. He can be yeah. your driver coach. I was just about to say, or no, bring him back Dude, so he can race um they can race. Why Ambrose not? <laughs> Ambrose left like five years too early. I like, know you imagine yeah. he's ahead of his time. He's Am- ahead of his time. But just okay, I wanna last thing I'll bring up about Indy. If anyone else wants to bring anything up, bring it up. I love the resurrection of the road course ringer. Oh, me too. It's, it's I know. great. My, my dumbass like said six months ago that the road course ringer was dying out. And then what <laughs> happens? Button, Kobayashi, SVG, yeah. all these dudes start oh, showing up. I'm like, wait, where did this come from? Am, Amber, Ambrose should just come back. He's only 46. Yeah. Hey, why not, man? Hey, might as well. Oh, and also one final, um, one funny um story uh from Indy involving uh Kobayashi. So there's a reason he was like spinning all over the place. He did not test in the next gen car prior to uh, uh to this race. So I don't there's think a reason. Did, he, 
I don't think Brody did Brody Kostecki get any seat time either. I, I don't well, think no, I don't, I probably not. Well, no, I could have sworn. I mean, I could be wrong. I could have sworn I saw something where he was like the only road course guy to not get at least minimal testing. I could be wrong on that, but I think I think that's correct. I know SVG got a test, and um, I thought Kobayashi did get a test. I I, I thought Matt Weaver. I could have sworn I saw. A I think it was. Co- I think I think Kobayashi did get a test like a few months ago or weeks ago. I I think. Kostecki is the one you're thinking of. I mean, they're both K. I think it was Kostecki oh, is the one who got no seat yeah, time. Yeah, maybe. So, well, I still think it's funny because you're a road course guy. You haven't raced the next gen. So, whoever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, he Peter, did test. Yeah, okay, Peter okay. in the chat right. says he did it VIR. Okay, okay. Okay. Thank you. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah uh, Luigi in the chat reminds us. Yeah. Kostecki has done sim work for RCR, which I didn't know until this weekend. Okay. So, he's at least done. Yeah. Done simulator okay. stuff. But yeah. No, bring Marcus Ambrose back, though. Come on, man. Put that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think... We've had worse Indianapolis weekend, so I close the book on that. Yeah, let's let's uh, move away from that and go on to what we got up next. And uh, well, there's not much, too much around here, but there was a bit of storms earlier this week. Yes, there was. And it's the lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Jared, what do we have on tap for tonight? A little bit more of a meaty lightning round this week here. Uh, Kyle Larson has announced the schemes now for his 500-600 double, and he'll be running the number 17 in the Indy 500. So I like that cup car, too. That should be his new primary for yeah, 36. Maybe you change the orange out for red, but that should be the primary. Yeah, I, I do think it needs just a tad bit more orange, though. Just a little bit. Just a little uh, bit. Let's Matt. just run him in a Tennessee Balls car, all orange. No. <laughs> there you go. No. Uh, <laughs> Max Pappas is in the process of finding a new ride for 2024 Cup Road Courses. He announced it on Twitter that he's been working on it for a bit, and he Max Pappas might come back. I didn't. I didn't expect that. He's just been kind of been like a, what, a driver coach here lately. Yeah, yeah, for Hendrick, I believe. Oh, he also um he operates his uh his own steering wheel company. Yeah, that's right. I think that's, yeah. I told this story on the podcast probably in like season one, but in like fifth grade, my school did like NASCAR points where every kid in the class picked a driver and earned some level of points depending on how they did throughout the season. But it wasn't my class, it was my uh, friend's class. And my friend asked me uh, who I should pick. And I I was like, oh, pick Matt Kenseth, pick Jimmy Johnson, pick whoever. And uh, he comes back to me the next day. I picked Max Pappas because he was in the Geico car. (laughs) No. (laughs) And I said, oh, you're going to struggle, my boy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, that is a struggle. Sorry. I think I shared that story a few years ago. It's been a while. I don't, yeah. I don't think you did. Yeah, I don't think you did. I don't let's, remember. Let's move forward here. NASCAR is going to be spending uh, even more on their college marketing now with the University of Alabama, and they have a new deal with University of South Carolina and other athlete deals to come promote races like the one they had with Livy Dunn at the Nashville Super Speedway, according to Adam Stern. So that's that's big for NASCAR. Now, big for motorsports is that motorsports is now being considered to possibly be a 2028 Olympic sport, according to Sports that's, Illustrated. That's going to piss off traditional sports fans. Oh, well, yeah. Screw them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I say. Screw them. We don't get these Let's wins. Go. We've been asking this for years. But uh, before that happens, can we please make the half marathon an Olympic sport? It is one of the toughest races to ever run. Uh, That'd be cool. And it's so different than a marathon. Anyway, that going off a tangent. Uh, there's a new NASCAR arcade rush game to be released on September 15th, not by Motorsport Games, and probably Mm-mm. better than that. <laughs> um, there probably actually works. Yeah. yeah. 
Looks like it does. Uh, the new NASCAR Classics we talked about is opened up with the old races on it, so definitely check that out. Uh, and then we have the NWP 400 next Tuesday, August 22nd on IDK Players Channel. Uh, we're all involved, whether I'm the one that's commentating. If Darian makes it, he'll be racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny and Eric in the chat probably can give their picks too. Uh, I think we can make that work. And the duels are this Friday, where me and John will be commentating and i actually have uh the procedures for the duels really quick for you it's pretty entertaining it'll be pretty entertaining yeah there's 63 entrants right now and uh top four and qualifying make it in two duels get 16 more a piece in and then a last chance qualifier get four more in for a 40 car field the duels are based off the old gatorade twin 125s and the last chance qualifier is based off the old clash and then 160 laps is based off of real daytona Mm -hmm. Uh, gen 6 gonna be a ton of fun i cannot wait for that one and like i said i think earlier if we get to 400 likes tonight which we are getting close to uh well close for being halfway through i'll add 100 more to the already 500 dollar winner's pool that might even grow uh on john's end too with uh some of the fun stuff we have planned so gonna be a ton of fun I like what Spencer Purcell said. Watch Darry and not even make it in. Hey, Blue Jimmy's got my back, though, so we'll be good. No pressure. We'll be good. I, it's going to be tough. That is a tough field, man. But uh, that is going to do it for the lightning round this week. I am. It, it, it's fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. And that'll what? conclude. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, actually, my. Claudia just sent me a last minute addition to the lightning round. Oh, uh, okay. Brad Keselowski and family announced they're having a baby boy. Oh, Brad's nice. not alone. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. But there. Yes. And that'll conclude this edition of the famous lightning round on the NASCAR weekly podcast. And now back to the show. All right. We mentioned it a little earlier. I'm not going to bury this any more than we have to. Uh, it came out today from. What is it? Insider gaming reporter, I believe, Mike Straw, that reports that NASCAR and their exclusivity deal with Motorsport Games is basically dead, and as of September 30th, will be no more. And that there are, it's been in the works a long time, which I think all of us, in some degree, have known about or at least assumed about. Uh, But it looks like NASCAR is working possibly to have multiple companies produce NASCAR games and maybe even stray away from exclusivity deal. Mm-hmm. So I'd say when it comes to NASCAR gaming, this either is going to just be, you know, a blip in the radar, or this could be the major turning point to bringing console gaming back for a lot of fans to at least a respectable level. So, you know, Danny, I'll lead off with you. Like, who would you want or what would you want even from a new NASCAR game? At, at this point, I don't know if there's anyone I could say that I want. I just, I think it's very clear. We just want a working game that is just fun. Just a, hey, it's been a long day at work. Go upstairs. Ding. PlayStation, come on. And I'm racing. I'm racing. Yeah, this feels fun. Go into career mode. Oh, this is such a blast. I'll start my team, you know, just do stuff like that. That's just, I want, I, I think, I think we talked about this. What got a lot of us to like NASCAR more 
was video games. And I want kids to have that same experience. Um, no disrespect to us, but I, I feel like there's a lot of kids who can get to a sport through YouTube these days, whereas we got into it through video games. And, you know, I, I think it should be equally with the video games now because what they have today is just crap. It's yeah. just straight up crap. And I'm torn. Um, you know, I, we know we we all we all have friends who have worked with motorsports games. Uh, don't want to say them specifically, but some of them have done good at their specifically assigned jobs. The problem is the people who have been above them that have not been making the right calls on this whole project from the get go. And it's led us to this mess that we're in now with NASCAR console games. And at this point, just want someone who cares about it again. That, mm-hmm. That's that, that's all I want. I want someone who cares about the product not and not as much on the bottom dollar. If, if you pay attention to my, ch- my channel, um, start up another channel because there's a game that I like to play called Trains. And I like it because the company behind it just cares about the overall product and making it fun for people who want to construct model virtual model railroads. And it's just a fun gaming experience every time I get on it. That's what I want. I want someone who cares about it as much as that company cares for that product. That That's what I want. I want someone who cares. Yeah. I just want someone who's competent. You know, I, I think motorsport games, uh, I think some of the people there care deeply about making a great racing mm-hmm. game. At this point, I'm convinced they just either didn't know how or didn't have the resources to, and that's inexcusable. Um, because they also didn't make money. So they may, they may want <laughs> to, to make that bottom line work, but that obviously didn't work for long. So I don't have like a, a developer or a company in mind. Um, but to echo what Danny said, console, realistic NASCAR games on console, are what really, I think, helped me learn the sport faster than anything else. That's what really turned me from a casual to a big NASCAR fan. And, uh, and not, having, not having that the past couple of years, at least not a competently made functional game, is a huge loss. Uh, I mean, we, you mentioned it earlier, Jarrett, the average age or the median age for uh, the TV audience for Indianapolis this past weekend was in the mid-60s. There's nothing wrong with that, but at some point you do need younger eyeballs to take over. You need a younger audience, you need them to, to make up a larger share of the whole viewer base and uh, a good operating console game will help accomplish that. So I'm hopeful whether it's you know a non-exclusive deal, if they have multiple people making the, a video game, almost like a trial run, like a tryout, that's great. If they do go exclusive, just don't cheap out on it. Don't go with someone who's unproven with no track record. Find somebody, hopefully that's proven they know how to make competent games that we can rely on because it's it's been a rough few years and it's not to circle back but i saw someone say on twitter that nascar themselves should just get their own production company in-house i don't want that either because i know what they would do they would go cheap and we'd probably have the same people who worked on motorsports games no. well yeah. and also have they ever made a video game that's what i mean is i know you need someone with a proven track record you need yeah. a proven company if at all possible well it doesn't matter which like whether it's um exclusive or not yeah at this point i want an established um, um an established company man and forget all these freaking starter up ones and it's just crazy when ea sports left towards the end we were like oh can't get any worse when you technics left, can't get any worse. 
when 704 left, can't get any worse. And what do you know it? We are in a similar situation. Oh, it can't get any worse with MSG, right? Hey, never say never, man. That's what I've learned over the years. <laughs> this is the lowest it's ever been. Yeah, exactly. Like, but again, just when you think it um um it um it it can't get any lower, it just gets lower and lower and lower. <laughs> what I what I want is a clear plan. Like what we saw with motorsport games for the last two or so years was where they would have plans ready to go, put out like just, you know, roadmaps and they never were able really to follow up on them or hit the dates that they wanted. And I think maybe some of that was resources. I know there are a lot of people there that are very competent who were put in a bad position. If you look at any of the reviews from people who have worked there, it's pretty clear it was the top people, not the people that were working there. I will say this. I am completely fine with like one NASCAR game every two, three, four, five years. If it's a competently made NASCAR game that can be updated, that we don't have to pay through the roof for paint schemes that we probably could make in a, a paint booth. I I'm fine. If we don't get a NASCAR console game until 2027, if it means the one we get is at least competent. If it's, I'd say if it's just to the level uh, maybe not the same way to drive or anything like that, but if it's just to the level of like NASCAR Heat 4, which I thought was honestly a decent game, if it starts out like that and then builds upon itself from there, that I am completely fine with that because that that you have something of substance to go off of. I also do, think just do, oh go ahead. I'm sorry, no, you go you go first, Darren. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Um, but no, I think also too, it's like since there is just so much distrust within the community. Whoever takes over needs to be upfront right away. Like, hey, this is our um, this is our detailed plan. Every single detail laid out there and stuff. So you let the public know, you know, um, excuse me, you let the fan base know, like, hey, like this is what the plan is or whatever. Because MSG kept giving us, you know, the runaround and all this stuff. They weren't really saying much or whatever, and you know, going ghost. So I don't want I don't want that to happen I just, again. I hate it because. Ignition had a base that if they had had time to work on resources, like if you could play it alone, not around cars that were screwing up or people that were idiots, like there was something that could have been made from that. And that's the sad mm -hmm. part to me. Th th yeah. There there were parts of it that I thought someone tried with this. The, the way they presented it before you ever got in a car looked really good. And the fact that... The fact that in the practice mode, there was that part where you could drive into the garage. They had plans to do more of that, but just it, it got yanked all over the place. It felt like it got rushed in the first game. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're not going to make a game this year. Next year comes around. Yeah, we're not going to make a game this year. And mm -hmm. at, at that point, you know, I, I don't want to mention, I don't want to mention too many, too many names, but you know, you talk about they had a plan, um, communications department was always good at communicating those plans. They really were. They, they, they all did a fantastic job in that. The, the, I know, I know someone who was involved in the, um, making sure the paint schemes look good on the cars did a good job at that, in my opinion. And whoever created the paint scheme development tool in that did a solid job with that, but just so many parts of it wasn't finished. And I, I just don't think that the upper management cared if it was finished or not. Mm -hmm. Eric, I want you kind of, I guess, close us out on this one. You know, uh, my any, only, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, my only um, 
thing that jumped out at me was do uh, do chronic in the chat made the comment like it is hard to make money on a nascar game again it's it's a niche audience like madden nba 2k they can put a new game out every year because there's millions Mm -hmm. of fans just in this country millions of young fans just in this country um there's like a million young nascar fans (laughs) maybe in this country you know and so it, it it is hard like I think you said this, Jared, if they put a game out every three years and are just able to update the paint schemes, uh, you know, like that might be the most I don't yeah. know, cost efficient is the right way to phrase it, but that might be the best way to do it. Uh, it that's just something to keep in mind. Of. Like, I don't want to, you know, I think as fans, we're, we're begging at this point, we're begging for a competent game, but you know, we, we I, I guess at the same time, we can't really choose. We, we, beggars can't be choosers in the sense that we also have to keep in mind the product that we're that we support is, is niche. Like it's, it is like we, we trashed NASCAR heat for having, you know, previous generation graphics. I don't know the bottom line. I don't know how well these games all sold, but that might be all they could afford. Like I'll just be completely honest, like mm-hmm. to, to expect a, um, a, a Forza quality NASCAR game just may not be realistic. I don't know. So I kind of keep, I keep my expectations tempered, I guess, as much as I possibly can. Well, I I think that about covers it. What would you guys think? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I think, you know, Eric said it's very niche. I think it's so niche that we're at the point where we, if, if it doesn't work out of someone who wants to make a console game that can make money off of it, might have to accept the fact that as niche as it is, and as, uh, you know, as much money as it really costs to do the total investment, iRacing might be the only option at some point. And we might be coming into the world where it, where we might just have to accept the fact on that. Um, Eric mentioned other sports will be popular, even though they might have to pay out the wazoo for NIL deals. I think EA Sports next NCAA football game when that comes out might be their biggest moneymaker. Yeah. Well, and uh, also let's, uh, uh, let's chat smoke on that yeah. uh, MSG pack. There you go. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's keep moving though. We got uh, another thing of news coming out here. Ford, I guess, is shopping for teams. Eric, kind of lead us into this one because this is one that I think flew under the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, well, it was it was very uh, you know this be kind of rumored for a while. We've obviously talked about Stuart Haas. What could they do for years? Like it just it's always felt like I, even Tony Stewart. Was it during the Josh Berry announcement? Or I think it was during the Josh Berry announcement. He kind of, somebody asked about Ford and and he said, well, that's what our contract says. So that's who we're probably going to stick with. You know, and it, it was like, oh, is he, is he being snarky or is he like, yeah. honestly, like, yeah, we'll probably stay with Ford. Hard to tell. Um, but uh, it was door bumper clear this week. They dropped uh, a few hints that uh, maybe Stuart Haas, maybe front row. I think Brett Griffin, because he's close to them, mentioned colleague as teams that the next year or two may be considering shopping around looking for other manufacturers mentioned uh, i think freddie Kraft. this is interesting because he's with 2311 who right now does not have a deal done with toyota past this year mentioned that ford is shopping around looking for new teams to join their force so i think a lot of this is very much hypothetical still because we're talking a year two years away probably in most cases but uh i pose the question to my uh audience today who are some surprising teams you could see changing manufacturers in the next couple of years? Like Legacy Motor Club obviously is, and I think it makes sense because you're a second tier team not getting that much support from Chevy. You go to Toyota, you're now part of that big three. You'll be getting more support from Toyota Racing Development. Do other teams like Front Row, who maybe aren't getting a ton of Ford support, but are clearly doing well with what they have, is it worth the risk to 
completely switch manufacturers. We just saw them stick with Todd Gillen and Michael McDowell for the sake of stability. Switching manufacturers, that would disrupt that stability quite a bit. So I don't know, it's kind of an open-ended question, but are there any teams you guys can think of that, oh yeah, they should consider swapping? It would be, you know, what what's going on now isn't working. They could do better here. I mean, are there any teams that jump out uh, at y'all? I mean, the biggest one to me was Legacy Motor Club, but that's already been announced. So outside of them, um, I don't know, maybe Colleague, you know, like they seem to be pretty low on the uh, on the totem pole for Chevy teams. So maybe they might move up a few notches with Ford, perhaps. Yeah, I the front row one, I guess, uh, just because we did talk that they are behind because of not being up in the packing order at Ford. And from what we've heard about it are increasingly exceeding expectations every step of the way. So maybe them like going to a different one, but at that point, like who are they going to go with? Like, yeah, maybe Toyota, uh, but, but they'd probably be third, maybe, maybe second. If another team leaves or something happens, Chevrolet, I don't think they would be top five. So I, I, I don't really see it. I, I think that they should, most of these teams I think should be set where they are right now uh, at this point and ride it out a few years. Yeah. That's I'm kind just, of how it feels. I'm just not convinced there's anyone that makes total sense to just need to go right now. Cause I'm scared. Like you mentioned colleague, they go to somewhere else. I'm scared. There's going to be right around the same in the pecking order, wherever they go. So I just don't know if anyone makes sense right now. I like it. It'd be chat. risky. <laughs> I, I like yeah, it. Did. The chat has a ton of suggestions. I was just gonna say it's risky to make any big changes now before the charter agreement yeah. and next media rights deal. And, al- and also too, it, it seems like yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like yeah, a little bit late. Yeah, a little bit late to be doing that. Like it makes more sense, honestly, in lower series and it doesn't cut like mm-hmm. we like like we just saw four sport go back to Ford because Haley come over and she carries a lot of Ford support, but not in the Cup series. I just don't see anything that makes sense there. No, agree. But I think that pretty much covers it, guys. We do have one more segment before we head on over to Watkins Glen. And that is our top 75 that we have left here. And we are going from 10th through 6th. We're getting the back half of the top 10 this week. And leading off... Crunch time. Yes. It's gonna, I think these are the ones... This week, I think early on we might shock people or have people disagree but i think it's next week too that is really gonna shake it up (laughs) yeah i think i think so too but this next guy is a member of one of the biggest families in all of racing history he's a pioneer driver a multi-time champion we'll get to how many in a moment uh, because i want i want to talk all about it but he's also the father of one of the greatest drivers ever as well 10th place is lee petty which we were very consistent on. Darian has him 10th. The rest of us, including the chat, have him 11th. Oh, wow. Lee Petty as number 10 all time. And uh, Darian, don't don't go too far into his accolades, but give me kind of a reason as to why you would put him top 10 where the rest of us put him a little bit below. He was one of NASCAR's original heroes, and he left a lot on the table. I'll just leave it at that. I'll let you explain the whole deal there. <laughs> Okay, I'm just confused of how Malak in the chat didn't have him on his list at all. 
Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's crazy. He's a three-time champion. Uh, he won the first ever Daytona 500. I mean, those are just numbers that jump out at you or accolades, I guess you could say, that jump out um, jump out at you immediately. Uh, and then you mentioned, I mean, he's a, he won his championships in the 50s. So he was a true pioneer, those early years of NASCAR. And everyone says, you know, the Petties were kind of the first family to learn how to make a living racing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of those guys back in the day were moonshine runners, were who knows what, first racer, second. The Petty family, led in many ways by Lee, were able to reverse that. They were able yeah. to make a living being great at racing. And that obviously kind of initially established the model we see today. Well, and, and looking at his accomplishments too, 54 career wins, 7.6 career average finish, and he never finished lower than sixth in points in any of his full-time seasons from 49 to 1960. But I think a story that really encapsulates uh, how much of a badass Lee Petty was is one that, Darian, you can explain because you did a video on. And oh, my god! I can gosh. talk about another one, but... You talk oh about my. that one, and I'll talk about the one between him and Richard. Oh, my gosh. Tulsa, Oklahoma. I can't remember what year it was, but during a race, there was a, a major dust storm, and for some reason, they decided to keep the race going, and then all of a sudden, Lee Petty just had enough, and he parks his car on freaking pit road, um, runs across the track to the flag stand, while the race is still going on, by the way, which means not only was he um, crossing a freaking active track in a dust storm, but, you know, he could barely see and stuff. And then he just yanks the flag from the flag stand and waves it. Race is over. So he ended the race. The one that I think of with him is the first first win ever for Richard Petty. Richard Petty gets his first win, is celebrating, kind of knows that it might be a little iffy. And it's his father, Lee Petty, who contests the race, claims <laughs> that they misplaced him by a lap. Complains and complains and complains. Just just chews out the ear of the official. They place Petty to the back of the lead lap third. Richard Petty. Lee Petty wins. And he later would say, I would DQ my mother or my wife for a win. That's what's up. That's, <laughs> That's I like insane. that. I like that. Actually. <laughs> That's I like crazy. that, bro. I like that. But yeah. Lee, yeah, go ahead. The Lee Petty, the reason, you know, I have him 11th. Is he's honestly one of the biggest what if stories mm-hmm. in his history of NASCAR because his career ended right when NASCAR was becoming what NASCAR would become. Exactly. Um, you know he he won the very f- he won the very first Daytona 500. Is that cr- that's correct? Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, and, and three he, three he, days later. Yes. He, he, he beat yeah three days later he beat Johnny Beauchamp. The next mm-hmm. year, him and Johnny Beauchamp involved in an accident and qualifying that ultimately ends his career and. If that hadn't happened, the focus of the team maybe would not have went to Richard Petty like it did. No, nah, yeah. And if and if that never happens, Lee Petty probably has a better career. Richard, maybe not as much. And I don't think Richard Petty has 200 wins, for sure. Lee would have protested a few more of Richard. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, that's that, that's a huge what if. Yeah. Moving from one guy who would do anything to win to another more modern guy, the the only modern driver we will talk about today. This guy is a multi-time cup champion as well, has a few more wins actually than Lee Petty, is one of the dominant drivers of a decade even. That's none other than Kyle Rowdy Bush. We have placed ninth on our list. Uh, and we have a bit more disparity with our choices here. Eric in the chat have him eighth. I have him tenth. 
Darian 12th, and Danny 13th. So I want to ask Danny, who had him the lowest, why Kyle Busch in 13th? I honestly can't tell you why. It's probably just because of where he fell into the uh, wins list, if I'm being honest. Um, but I, now to think about it, I think I think we we overall we've averaged him correctly. I think, uh, but Kyle Busch, not a not a not a not a not a knock at him by any means. It's just it's where I put him at. I, I guess you know, but but it is a knock. He didn't have him in the top ten. Yeah, I, I didn't have I, him either. I, did. <laughs> I think I think Kyle Busch is easily a top ten driver. I mean, he is the winningest driver in NASCAR history. I know it's not as I mean, well, you could argue it is more impressive than what Richard Petty did, well, but it's not two hundred Cup wins. But it, you know, he is the winningest driver. Okay. Okay, but this list is for Cup Series only. Ah, there you go. Yes, that's fair. Well, he's got more wins than Lee Petty. So, so in this this case, I have him as a 13th best Cup Series driver of all time. Yeah, I felt like he was like, and and remember, we did this list at the very beginning of the season, and then yeah, so like maybe um, if I were to have um, if I were to have um, um, done it now, definitely top ten for sure. I I I think. Go ahead, Jared. I'm no, sorry. Go for it. No, no, it's all good. Well, I just, I, I think you have to put him top ten for the basic reasons I had before. I mean, the era. He, there was a stretch there in the mid 2010s, and I'm talking like a five, six year stretch probably where like he was the most feared. Like after Jimmy did his run of five straight championships, I know he cheesed out a couple more at the end there. Um, but like kind of in between those runs, Kyle Busch was the guy. Like he was the most feared driver in NASCAR. He's he's a two time champion. He's the uh, let me let me correct me if I'm wrong. He is right now still the only, I guess, Logano. Bush and Logano are the only two-time champions since they went to a knockout round format. Um, so Kyle, but I, I just think you know you dominate an era. And granted, it was maybe a five, six-year stretch, but still, that how many era, how many decades has NASCAR been around? Seven, eight. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Busch was the dominant driver for a decade. Yep, he should be the top eight, top nine. He was the winningest driver of the 2010s with 41 wins. Uh, yeah. And looking at some of these other, so 41 of his 63 career wins, which is insane to say, came between 2010 and 2019. And to be honest yep. with you, that was really more between 2015 and 2019, which are the years he qualified consecutively for the final four. He's been uh, a winner of the Southern 500 twice for the Brickyard, uh, won the Coke 600, he was the first driver in NASCAR Cup Series history who won on every track he competed on from, I believe, like 2005 to 2019 or 20. Uh, qualified for the chase and playoffs 16 times. 13 of them were top 10 points finishes. So Kyle Busch, I think, you know, I put him top 10. Uh, I think, and, and so did Eric in the chat. I think he deserves to be there, and he very easily could make his way up to maybe knocking on the door of that top, I don't know, eight, six, maybe knocking on the door of the top five. But Kyle it's going to tough. Time. Yeah, it's going to be tough to break into that Bobby Allison, uh, Daryl Waltrip sort of yeah. bracket where they have so some plus space. Wins. You yeah. get they get to like Daryl Waltrip with eighty four wins, I think, and yeah, uh, or eighty five, uh, eighty five. Yeah. Okay, I might have, I might have had. Kyle Bush 13th, but I'm a little confused as the two people are chat. Dark C29 and Malak both had no Lee Petty on their list, but had KFB number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Recency <Yes>. bias. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but that is our ninth place pick, Kyle Bush. Now, our next pick is one of those guys we did talk about. 
He is one of those three drivers that has, well, 84 wins on the books, probably 85 if you know who it is. <laughs> uh, won a championship, won some pretty prestigious races, was one of the most popular drivers in NASCAR history. The highest profile guest of the first two years of this show, <laughs> Bobby Allison in eighth position on this list. And me and Darian had him eighth. Eric in the chat had him ninth. Danny, I'm going to lead with you again because you got him the highest. Bobby Allison sixth on Yeah. Here. Bobby Allison seemed like no matter what decade it was for him, he could compete. No matter what it was, which car he was in, all the way until the second he stopped driving, he could always do it. And that's why I had a lot of respect for Bobby Allison. And he, I, he's... I, I looked up I look up all Bobby Allison's stats and I'm just I'm overall impressed with how many different kinds of cars he drove and how good he always was. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked. Like he's one of those drivers where it's like, damn, he doesn't have multiple championships. No, he just has one. But I mean, 84 wins. I mean, that's a you know a lot to be proud of. And also too, you know, um, when he was first starting out, you know, um, him and his team they were you know sort of considered the underdogs and stuff, and they were you know able to uh, work their way up and uh, take on the Giants and uh you know and uh, Petty Enterprises. You know, they were both major rivals back in the day. But uh, I I can't do this. I gotta go. Bye, guys. Oh yeah, and also the infamous first um, interview we did with him. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much else to add. Uh, I mean, his closet is just full of crown jewel race win trophies. Yeah, which uh, ones? Which ones? Uh, well, I, I, he's got three Daytona 500s to, to start. I think you could pretty much tie a bow, wrap your career in a bow with that alone. Four-time Southern 500 winner. Uh, he also won the Coke 600 three times. So that's that's remarkable. He's got a crooked number um, in every category. Ten. So ten crown jewel victories. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, just resilient. Uh, I mean, that whole family um, to be a part of, you know, just be a, kind of the, the almost the head of the Allison family, but also to be a part of the Alabama gang. I mean, the, the dude has... When you have multiple brands, multiple nicknames, uh, so many stories like that. I had him behind Kyle Bush by one spot because of the championships. And again, a little bit of recency bias, as I said at the beginning. If you win more in the 2000s, 2010s, 1990s, like I, I do believe those were slightly more competitive eras. But you just said something, Darian, that's true, is that Bobby Allison, uh, they had a chip on their shoulder early on having to go up against the petty enterprises of their day. Like, sure, it may have been a two or three horse race. But that was a tough horse to beat, and he managed mm. to beat him quite a few times. So, um, what, you know, easily what? a top ten driver, no doubt. Wonder how Kelly Yarbrough might have felt about Bobby Allison back in the day. Well, seeing oh, yeah. seeing how Bobby Allison was in the fight, and I'll, I'll last a little bit on him. Twelve top five points finishes, nineteen top ten points finishes. Member of the Alabama gang, Bobby Allison definitely has to be in the top ten of all time. Um, but right ahead of him. We do have another member of the fight, another hard-nosed racer, uh, one that many don't know is actually a lot shorter than people would expect, <laughs> but not in personality or driving talent, and that is Kale Yarbrough, who we have P7 on the list. I'll just say this. The first three consecutive championship-winning driver ever Darian has him sixth as uh, as well as me. Danny has him eighth. Eric in the chat seventh. I'm going to lead with you, Darian. You had him sixth. Why is Kelly Arbro sixth all time for you? 
the main reason, yeah, you just said it. First three-peat championship winner ever in NASCAR history. And, you know, again, he had to go up against Richard Petty, Bobby Allison, you know, a young Dale Earnhardt too, you know, a young Terry Levine, like just so much talent, um, so much talent um, in the field in those days. Um, and also, too, a uh, fun fact, you know, this was uh, Jimmy Johnson's favorite driver growing up, too. So, you know, I think Jimmy Johnson might learn to think or two. Uh, maybe three. Yeah. Five. Because <laughs> he would eventually do it. Because Jimmy Johnson, wasn't he the uh, – was he the second one to do that? Or no? Yeah, there's, only been, okay. there's only been yeah, two. Okay. Only been two. Wow. Okay. What stands out to me as well about Kale Yarbrough is he raced and won quite a bit through like kind of several generations, a very transformative era of NASCAR. Like I'm looking at this, he won his first Daytona 500 in 1968. 16 years later, he won his last Daytona 500. Like the cars, the style of racing from the late 60s to the mid 80s had changed dramatically. Darian just mentioned the talent, folks like a young Dale Earnhardt rising through the ranks by the end of uh, Kale Yarbrough's career, and he could st- still go wheel to wheel with uh, with the best of them. So. I mean, exactly. To speak for himself, uh, I think I, I think I saw on the graphic, Jared. I had him seventh, so I have no issues with where he's placed. I think this is perfect. And and yeah, yeah four Daytona 500s, five Southern wow. 500s. Now, the thing that people will be surprised by is he only had eight top ten points finishes. Well, he only ran eight full seasons. He had a lot of part time <laughs> runs, and seven of those were top five and, points finishes, and, and three were three championships yeah. in a row. Wow, I didn't even know that. Wow, I had no clue about that. Yeah, that's crazy. That's even crazier now. And, and, and then, uh, sorry. Well, the thing for me is growing up, uh, before Jimmy Johnson won those consecutive championships, Dale Yarbrough was the one that was always talked about and put in this, you know, uh, uh, with this reverence of what he did and how that is one of the most uh, possibly unbreakable records ever. And so that's uh, again. What made Jimmy Johnson's later five straight so impressive is because when you compare it to what came before, it's so fitting, too, that Jimmy's favorite driver was Kaylee Arborough. Yeah, yeah. And also, too, you know. Um, well, and yeah. What would oh, you ahead. say, Danny? Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I saw Peter Strada pointed out that uh, him, Kale, and Jimmy ended up having the same amount of wins, too. In their yeah, yeah, yeah. Career. Yeah, as well. And also, too, Kaylee like. Arborough had a big part in uh, growing the sport with the, uh, and there's a fight, so. Yep. And and also just a lot of iconic paint schemes too. That doesn't get talked about mm-hmm. enough. The, the the Bush car, the Hardy's car. Yeah, yeah, those were cool. Those were cool. And it's fitting that we have him right next to Bobby Allison on the list. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. And, Don't fight, y'all. And so closing out our top seventy-five, we have somebody who honestly needs no introduction because you probably couldn't get a word in edgewise. You'd have to basically just have him tell you himself. And that is Jaws. Daryl Waltrip is sixth all-time on our list. And it's pretty interesting. Again, this this is the one that's not as controversial, this this half of the top ten. Uh, but Darian, uh-huh. me, and Danny have him seventh. Eric and the chat have him sixth. So, uh, you know, I think we can see why we just barely had him scrape above. But he's another three-time champ. 84 career wins. A lot of accolades over a very, very long career. But DW, a lot of people remember him for the broadcast career, but one of the greatest ever. Uh, Danny, lead us off. Why is DW sixth on this list? I'm just going to go ahead and say something real quick. It needs to be said just so I'll feel better about it. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's talk about DW, boys. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, DW, I had I had him sandwiched right in between Kel Yarbrough and Bobby Allison on my list. 
Um, he's another driver that was really good throughout various different decades of sport. Um, if he didn't have to go up against Dale Earnhardt, I don't. We could be talking about way more victories, way more championships in the grand scheme of things. Um, his run-ins of Dale were very iconic, but just the amount of uh, races that he he won was was always really big. His Daytona 500 win, getting to do the what they call that the the, the, the hickey, hickey shuffle, the hickey, the hickey shuffle, and uh, and just the. I don't think something doesn't get talked about enough for him was his run of how many Bristol races he won. Like if, if you ever go look at some of the at, at the top of Bristol Motor Speedway, we have various stars of Bristol up there, and it talks about Daryl Waltrip having several runs where he won races there, and it was just crazy. Seven and all row. he was able to do. Yeah, seven in a row. Seven, eighty-one like, to eighty-four. Like you think Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch had good runs where they no. won a lot. It doesn't compare. It doesn't touch what Daryl Waltrip did at Bristol Motor Speedway. Yeah, I don't think that record's ever going to be broken. It'll no. never be broken. What jumps out to me as well, and the Bristol thing jumped out at me. I know he was great at Bristol, and I hold if you're great at Bristol, I hold you in the highest of regards. I think that was one of the uh, toughest um, racetracks on the schedule. Um, obviously, a ton of crown jewel winners, three-time champion. All, all the accolades speak for themselves, but the longevity of his career, not just his broadcasting career, but his driving career also jumps out at me. Uh, he raced for, I think, close to 30 years, and you know he went winless his last few years, I believe. I don't remember when his final win was. Um, but 1992, so it was eight years. Oh gosh. I didn't realize it was that long. Um, if he doesn't run off to form Daryl Waltrip racing, uh, what year was it that he filled in the number one the, for DEI and the number one car? Was it, was it, it was 2000. Yeah. It was at the was very 2000 or 19. Oh wait, no, 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 no. 1998. Okay. I thought it was 98, 98. It was whenever it was, it was at the very end of his career. And I think, you know, he showed then that if you if he'd stayed in great equipment throughout mm-hmm. the nineties, I think he wins a few more races. He might have been close to a hundred. Yeah. So, did he did, did he get another a win? What if. Did he get a win or he come close? He, he came, came close. close. Yeah, okay. Pocono. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And also too, hey, hey, he had a big mouth too. I hey, he did not care. He ran his mouth, man. That's why they called him Jaws. And it's crazy because at first he was um um similar to, um uh, to Kyle Bush, one of the most hated drivers, and then towards the end, one of the most beloved well, in sport. And yeah, 81, 82, 85 champion, 84 career wins, 89 500 winner uh, champion, uh, 92 Southern 500, uh, five-time Coke 600 winner, 18 top 10 point finishes, 12 top five. And this is the crazy one. From 1975 to 1989, he won at least one race every season, and most of those were multiple, multiple win seasons. Yeah, and you know, um, in 1990, he could have won the uh, North Wilkesboro race, but then yep. <laughs> Brett Boda. <laughs> I, I will contest to this day. I think he also uh, <laughs> has an extra win that's not counted in his favor. Uh, but yes, DW, Daryl Waltrip, sixth all-time on our list. Now going through the list that we had today, we have Lee Petty in 10th, Kyle Busch 9th, Bobby Allison 8th, 7th is Kale Yarbrough. And DW, Daryl Waltrip, in sixth. And next week on Danny B's channel when we go live for the NWP, you're going to see our top five ever. It's, uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I yep. think I think we're going to have some real debates on that one, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ke- I mean Kevin Conway is clearly the number one. We all had him. I know. Yeah, Tia Northfleet, too. You know, <laughs> some stout competition we got next week. Well, maybe we might get competition from those who are racing at well, uh, Watkins Glen this weekend. 
Watkins Glen is coming up, and uh, we got Xfinity and Cup for this one. One weekend note to kind of talk about, uh, according to AccuWeather and a couple others like the Weather Channel, there is a possibility of wildfire smoke making the air a bit hazy in New York this weekend, specifically Saturday. So that is something to watch for, especially when it comes to such a big road course like this. Uh, but yes, we have three races we'll talk about. Thursday night's SRX race at Lucas Oil Speedway. Uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. It's going to be 87 and humid, but only a 6% chance of rain tomorrow night out in Missouri. There is no defending winner here as, well, the SRX has never raced here before. Uh, as for the entry list, I took a screenshot of it earlier, and here is the starting lineup for the Heat. The uh, Heat 1, I should say. Jonathan Davenport, Haley Deegan, Ken Schrader, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Newman, Ilya Castroneves, Tony Stewart, Marco Andretti, Bobby Labani, Ernie Francis Jr., Clint Boyer, and Kenny Wallet. That is Thursday's race coming up, and know those names for when we get to picks. As for Saturday, the Xfinity race is the Shriners Children 200, 82 laps. Stages go 20, 20, 42. Starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on USA and MRN. Forecast. For Saturday, 77, mostly sunny, 2% chance of rain. Kyle Larson is your defending winner in that one, which he will not be defending this year. Uh, the cup race is the goal bowling at the Glen, 90 laps, 20-20-50, and then it starts at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. USA and MRN are your broadcasters. 86 degrees is what it will be on Sunday, mostly sunny and warm, only a 10% chance of rain. We can have those rain tires and the very minimal chance. Kyle Larson will be trying to defend this one uh, as he won there last year. Now, Darian, who are some of those who might be gunning for that win? Oh, uh, yes. It's time for the famous, for Darian's famous betting odds. Let, um, let's start off with Chase Elliott as this weekend's odds-on favorite at plus 350, Kyle Larson plus 500, Martin Truex Jr. plus 650, Tyler Reddick plus 800, and Michael McDowell plus 1,000. As for the best of the rest, Christopher Bell plus 1100, Daniel Suarez plus 1200, KFB, Kyle Bush plus 1300, AJ Allmendinger 1400, and Chris Buescher at 1800. As for the underdogs, Denny Hamlin plus 2000, Austin Cendrick plus 3000, uh, Kevin Harvick plus 4500, Ross Chastain plus 5000, and just for fun, Mike Rockenfeller at plus 30,000. That's no, <laughs> that's no joke. Plus 30,000. So. We'll see how um, he performs. And as for the NWP Fantasy League standings, uh, for the first league, Sean, 48NY, is the points leader over Trevor Sports 98, followed by Divers. Uh, and third, uh, fourth, uh, the NASCAR Bear, and rounding out the top five, is 48 Nation. Now, as for the second NWP Fantasy League, uh, Race Roar 48 is the points leader, followed by JC underscore 43, who was uh, less than 20 points now, 18 to be exact. Uh, outside of the lead and third is broom hms fourth is your one and only bfm and rounding out the top five is 42 larson five and just uh another side note um all the top five i just listed are separated by less than 100 points very very interesting points battle oh and we have another interesting points battle guys are are mm -hmm. we ready to see the uh pick point standings this week because uh i know i know eric is <laughs> yeah why don't we pop this baby on screen here? Uh, the chat 
continues to lead at 412 points. Eric is 14 behind right now. Got two of the races right, just not that last one. Uh, <laughs> I am 38 back uh, in third. Darian, 47 back in fourth. Yes. Danny, still minus 60 in the top five in fifth. Hey, not last. I'll take it. I'll take it. We're also close, though, still. Well, at least for this part of the year, we're pretty yes. close. If only um, Kyle so Busch hadn't broke, y'all would be done for. <laughs> the, the fact that I am in fifth minus 60 back at this point in the year is huge. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, let's get to who will probably be good this weekend with our picks. So, Eric, lead us off. Who is going to win the SRX race? This is a tough one. Uh, I think there's two clear front runners. I'm tempted to go with the ringer in this case, Jonathan Davenport. I do think he'll he'll be impressive, but I, I got to go Tony Stewart. He was just toying with the field at Eldora. Yeah, I'm going to roll with smoke as well. Yeah, Tony Stewart. I'm riding a Superman. I'm riding up Jonathan Davenport for this one. Oh, okay. I like and it. The chat is looking. Yeah, it's, Tony. it's looking. Yeah, it's Tony. <laughs> like that's all but, I see. But, but hey, congrats to Ryan Newman going to lock up that championship this weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. That I has forgot. He, <laughs> has he clinched it yet, or is he uh, just need to like finish eleventh or something to clinch it? I don't follow the SRX championship. They were talking. Yeah, they were. Follow were it. Yeah. They were talking I'm, last week about like, oh, if he finishes fifth or better, he clinches it. And I thought, how on the hell? Six race season, and you got someone clinching the championship. You know, I mean, you know, there's only there's miles. only there's only eight people running it full time. So yeah, true yes. that, true that. Oh, by the way, Jared, the the uh, DW poll still up. Oh, now it's gone. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, just letting you know. I got it. Uh, but no, who's going to win the Xfinity race? I think it's a big question now. Uh, nailed this pick last week. Uh, Ty Gibbs winning on a road course. I think he goes back to back. Ty Gibbs wins Watkins Glen. Well, uh, I think I'm going to be riding the same bus as you, Eric. I got Ty Gibbs as well. AJ, I, I said a while back, I will pick AJ Allmendinger until he gives me a reason why. One, I thought was a fluke. Two, I, is not at this point. I think that his crown as being the better of the two and the better in the series is over. Ty Gibbs. The car won last year. It'll be a mem- <laughs> No, don't laugh at this. <laughs> don't laugh at this. I'm about I to say something sad. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> that's right. The car won last year. It'll be in memory of old Roscoe. Alex mm-hmm. Bowman going to get the win. That's right. That is sad. And that yeah. is, yeah. When you said sad, I thought you were going to make another diss on Alex. Yeah, Bowman yeah. Like, so like I forgot about that. Down. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that, pick. That, no, for real though, when I found out, I was like, I really hope he wins. Yeah, that'd be no. cool. Yeah. yeah. So no one, no one is picking Kyle Busch to win an Xfinity race? Nope. Mm-hmm. The hell's Wait. going on? Wait, he's it's, in it? It's colleague, yeah. bro. It's colleague, though. Nope, they're I going thought, bet- and the chat's going wait, between I, the 17 I, and the 19. I thought, I thought AJ was driving that one. No. No, apparently he's like at his limit for the year, so they, they, they couldn't put him in the 10. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure Road America is worth it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the poll is up right now. We'll let that roll because it, it was yeah. close. Um, but let's go on the suck pick. Who's going to suck in the cup race this week? Uh, I want to focus on playoff bubble drivers for my selections. Uh, and this is the easy pick. No, okay. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pick Bubba. I'm going to go Brad. I know Brad has historically been good at Watkins Glen, but he hasn't been great on road courses this year. So I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. I'll go Brad. 
Uh, I'm going to go with somebody who has success, has had success here before, uh, but I think will struggle, as I think he's struggled here before as well. I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. Uh, Bubba Wallace. That's pretty. That's the easiest pick. Side note, I think they're going with Alex Bowman out of sympathy, and I think that might have been the reason for that. But also, Alex Bowman's my pick to suck in the cup race. Damn. Yeah, they're going Damn. Bowman. Uh, and that- oh my gosh, chat! Y'all picked Alex Bowman over Ty Gibbs. <laughs> I'm just as confused, and I picked At Watkins Bowman. Glenn. What the? What are y'all doing? <laughs> hey, well, la- last week it did me favor to ride in the chat. So, well, I mean, but, yeah, we'll find out. But we got to move forward to who's our dark horses this week. So my dark horse actually is Ty Gibbs as well. Um, I mean, for the, I think he was. He's obviously a great road course racer. I looked this up. A third of his Xfinity wins, including last week, have been on road courses. Um, I said it earlier. I thought he had a top five car at Indianapolis. Never got a chance to show it. So uh, Ty Gibbs, again, I'm go- focusing on bubble drivers. I think he, I think he'll have top five speed. He's a rookie. Does he have the experience? Will he know what to do with it? Uh, Eric, we're in the same boat again. I, oh, great, geez. Great minds do the same research. I hope so. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I got Gibbs. Yeah, last year, this guy was running up front some in um, in the uh, very beginning of this race last year, for sure. And I was like, whoa, that really impressed me. I'm going to go with Todd Gilliland as my underdog. Oh, I like that. And I'm going with his teammate, fresh off the win at Indianapolis. I think you'll have maybe another top five run here at Watkins Glen, Michael McDowell. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chat. Uh, it's kind of up in the air, but I think they're. I, it looked like either the 38 or the 16. I'll just give you the 38 just in case yeah. you want to pick AJ yeah. for this next segment. All right, folks. We have now arrived to the main event. Who's going to win? Who's going to win this weekend at the Glen, Eric? I've spoiled this pick about a half a dozen times. Chase Elliott is my pick to win. I was a little bummed when I saw that he was the heavy favorite, according to Las Vegas. Uh, I'm hoping he'd fly a little more under the radar. Like Obviously, you go to road course, Elliott's going to be a top three pick. I get that. But he was like clearly the favorite on the betting odds. That makes me a little nervous. But I'm, I've been riding with them for about the last – or I've been predicting for about six weeks that he was going to win Watkins Glen. This is the week that he hopefully makes me look like a genius. <laughs> so I've been very much opposed to that. Uh, just because he seemed off. I wanted something to see. I think I saw it at Indy. Gotten better each week. At the 11th hour, I've kind of shifted my view as well, and I can't believe it. Eric, you and I are going to pick every single one of these the same. I'm going Chase Elliott as well. I'm riding with you in the boat this week. Oh, but don't sink. Yeah. There is, without question, my pick is going to be the most controversial but i'm just gonna pull up these stats here um at the indy road course this driver had the fifth best driver rating uh fifth best average running position and the eighth best green flag lap speed and this all came at a track that featured one of the longest green flag runs in recent memory and where um he had never finished inside the top 15 He's gotten better on road courses as of recently. And also he's going to a road course that'll feature long green flag runs. And uh, he's never finished inside the top 10. <laughs> Alex Bowman gets the victory. You didn't even pick him for Saturday. We picked him for Sunday. That's unusual. Yes, I did. 
okay. Last year was a weird year for this guy, but before that, from 2016 to 2021, he finished seventh, first, second, second, and third. This guy is really good at this place. He knows it really well. And I think in a race where there's no stage breaks, I think this favors him a lot better than years past. I'm going to Martin Truex Jr. to win this weekend. Mm. On, that's where it's split in the chat, too. Truex versus Elliott. The poll is up for that one because there were a lot of nines early and a lot towards the end here, but Martin Truex Jr. is up here. The chat chat's playing games. Elliott's the favorite, <laughs> but some of them also are looking at Truex to try and just well, be the opposite of Eric. C- c- considering they just took Alex Bowman, they probably going to try to follow you guys. Yeah, they could try. You guys could try to pad your lead with Truex. He's uh, one of the winningest drivers this year. True that. Yeah, and that. Uh, I just want to let everybody know that next week, a busy week for us NWP guys. Uh, well, starting out Friday with the duels on IDK Players Channel for the NWP 400 that will that's, be on August 22nd. Yeah, that's this Friday are the duels. Yes. Next week is the main event. Yes, mm-hmm. and then the 23rd will be on Danny's channel. Uh, we'll be... Reviewing the regular season finale, maybe talking about an Elliott win or a Truex win. The return to Milwaukee, that's coming up the same weekend. That mm-hmm. Sunday, we got the end of our top 75 list with the top five ever. We got a lot going on, so you're not going to miss or not going to want to miss that one. I uh, figured I'd let you guys know while y'all are here. Yes, so we will see you next week on Danny B's channel right after the night after the NWP 400 that Tuesday night, be sure to watch all of it. It's going to be a ton of fun and we'll all be involved and having fun with it with you guys. Yep. Yep. But till next time, have a good one. Goodbye. Yeah, I'm done with it. Fix your face. Set sail. Steve, you look beautiful. So great.